¿Cómo estás, mi gente? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our weekly Plática. My name is Paul Saldana. I'm a native East Austinite, born and raised, and I'm proud to be taking on the new role as the official political correspondent for Hot Tejano and serving as the host for our new program called Habla y Vota. Yes, I know you're probably saying I'm not interested in hearing about la política, but trust me, I know that you'll be able to relate to some of the issues we want to discuss and share with you. Because at the end of the day, all of us are directly affected by decisions made by our local elected officials. And of course, we can't talk about La Politica without, without talking about the latest chisme in the community. And for that part of the program, I'll be turning to my fellow, co fellow co-producers and my fellow chismosos, everyone's favorite hot Tejano DJ, El Mero Mero Chris. Tejano Man Tristan, ¿qué pasa, Chris? What's happening? Oh, you know, just another day here in the uh, in the beautiful uh, heat of Austin, Texas. <laughs> it is hot, man. Hot, hot, hot. Sweaty manteca, man. All yes. this week, too, too hot, too hot, too hot. <laughs> I, I hope by now, if I've lost some weight, uh, my doctor says I I have by the time we get to next week when I go to the, see the doctor. So <laughs> good to be here with right. you guys. Good to be here. All right. And of course, uh, our moral compass of the show, our hermanita representing the next generation of Latina leaders, everyone's another native Austin and everyone's favorite Samaripa. It's the incomparable Lily Samaripa science. Uh, and, you know, we missed Lily last week because it was her birthday last week. And so, <laughs> you know, she thought so much of us that she told me she wasn't going to come and record. So she dumped us for her birthday celebration. Right? So, <laughs> so we get to talk to Lily a little bit about uh, her birthday, but Welcome, Lily. We can't wait to hear about how you celebrated your birthday. And by the way, I saw pictures, but none of us were invited to her birthday party, should I say. Chris, did you get invited to her birthday party? You I know, didn't I didn't. So. I got, you know what I got? I got this. The buzzer, the game buzzer. Que pasa, Lily? What's happening? No, you know what? Good morning, everyone. I'm going to echo Chris real quick and dodge the birthday question, but it is hot outside. I'm still very excited for the summer weather. I'm ready to get in the pool in the cold water. All right, all right. Well, so today's Latica, we're going to just be taking on and talking about uh, various Latino quality of life issues. You know, some of the news that hit this week was um, our AISD superintendent, Dr. Stephanie Elizalde, is leaving um, after just two years, and she's going back to Dallas ISD, so I know we want to talk about that. We want to talk about issues centered around affordability, which is a big issue. You know, our hemp there being displaced. East Austin is no longer the East Austin that all of us knew. Uh, and for those of us who are native Austinites, it's not what, what it used to be. Uh, we probably want to talk about the creation of this new Mexican-American um, cultural heritage district that uh, has been created, and there's some of you all may have already noticed some temporary signs that have already gone up, uh, and then we'll we'll see where the conversation goes. But I'm excited about our guest today, and I'm going to turn it over to our hermanita Lily to offer um, the bios and introduction introduction of the two chingonas that we have joining us today, Lily. Yes, yes, I'm very excited. I love our first guest, Alma Mena. I love our second guest. But first, let me give a shout out and a highlight to Alma Mena. She has served as a dedicated community social worker for over 21 years in Austin. She is a bilingual therapist in a private practice. Alma has served as an adjunct staff at UT and St. Edward. She volunteers her time with various nonprofits. I have personally seen her hands-on. You know, she is always there. 
Um, she is part of the Austin Latino Community or Austin Latino Coalition and Blue Action Democrats. She has three sons that attend dual language schools in AISD. And of course, she is one of our leadership committee. She is part of our leadership committee on our Abla y Bosa Action Fund. Our second guest with us is Alicia Perez Hodge, who has basically seen me grown up. <laughs> she is a known advocate for Chicano and women's civil rights. Organizing and living in the bodies of South Texas, she became involved in the Chicano movement in the early 1970s. She often refers to herself as an old poverty warrior and a member of Lyndon's Great Society. Alicia holds a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Texas and A&M University and a Master's in Indisciplinary Studies from Texas A&M University. Alicia started her career as a social worker, but soon found her niche in city management. Spending 40 years in public service, she is a trailblazer as the first Latina to become the Chief Administrative Office for the City of Lawrence, Massachusetts, and the first Latina to serve as as Assistant City Manager for the City of Austin. She is a founding member of the City of Austin Hispanic Network, ABLA, Austin Latino Coalition, and she currently serves as Vice President of LULAC Council 4221. She is also one of our members on our Leadership Committee for Habla y Vota. Alicia and Alma, bienvenido. Gracias. Hello. Gracias. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning. We appreciate it. So uh, let's let's go. Let's just dive right into it. Let's talk. um, Yep. Let's talk uh, a little bit more about uh, the news that broke this week that uh, the AIST superintendent, Dr. Stephanie Elizalde, uh, will be leaving AIST just after uh, a little a little less than two years, and she'll be going back to Dallas ISD where she came from. So let's let's just jump let's just jump right into into it. So uh, Alicia Alma, any thoughts? Yeah, just uh, disappointed. Such a short tenure, you know, two years. I mean. In a in a job like that, that's not even enough to get started with any sort of uh, reform or improvements. It's just real short. So I'm I'm really disappointed with the the you know her tenure, which is only two years. Yeah, um, I feel I feel the same. I feel the same. I have I've worked for the district. I have three sons in the district. Um, very connected to AISD staff at various capacities and campuses, and I think there's a I, I can't speak for others. I'm certainly disappointed. I'm not surprised. These rumors have been flying for a long time. And true, you know, that, you know, it's it's a lot of people see her that that was just like a stepping stone for her. Two years is nothing. Doesn't show commitment. And I think there was there was a lot of excitement early on, like, oh, a Latina coming on and, you know, was going to be this great advocate and make some changes. Um and I'm sorry, like, I, no, I'm not sorry to say this. I'm, I'm again, just really disappointed. And I've, I've, I can't say anything positive that I've seen change or improve over time. I, I think it's, it's, I seen it deteriorate. I know it was, um, you know, it was paired with the pandemic, her time here, but very disappointing. Um, and what, what's going to happen next? You know, again, like hire, like, you know, the district will hire these consulting companies and spend millions of dollars to, you know, talent search and find just the right person. And then this happens. I mean, 
this is a problem. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so, so you you hit an important important point that that obviously she she got hired during the pandemic, which none of us could have ever predicted we'd be living through a pandemic. And I think initially some of the criticism directed at AISD and the board was that they went through the process of hiring a superintendent during a pandemic. And one of the things that didn't get to happen was folks in the community didn't get to know or meet uh, other finalists uh, and or meet her before she was named uh, as the superintendent. And uh, because probably because I'm a former trustee, I had an opportunity to participate in a community conversation with her. Um, I think ABLA was part of that, Save Austin School Coalition, which was a group that that organized a group of parents and community leaders that were part of the schools that were consolidated and closed during that infamous uh, 2017 bond election and facilities master plan, Austin Area Urban League. Um, the East Side Coalition of Quality Education was part of that. And I remember um, at that tail end of that platica, I had given her some unsolicited advice because I think everybody knows I'm really good at giving unsolicited, unsolicited <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's go straight into the cheese and pedo, right? So, you know, one of, the, one of the things I told her was, or warned her, was for her to be prepared and that she had to be able to, I, I spoke about the demise of our previous superintendents with Dr. Cruz, with Dr. Kostarpin, uh, and Dr. Forjon, was that the challenge is if you can't strike a balance and deal with the board politics and the community politics, then that's going to be a challenge. And then the other issue is that um, among our cultural values uh, are the expectations here in Austin that Austinites want to be involved in the decision-making process. And if you're not going to commit to a process that's going to be transparent and inclusive, then you're going to hear from folks and you're going to receive a lot of criticism. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alma, you spoke a little bit about that. You participated in a couple of meetings directly with her. Your thoughts on that issue? Yes, it there was definitely a sense of our voices not being heard and most importantly valued. And I think that's, that's extremely, it's hurtful, it's offensive. Um, and I think that happened pretty early on, you know, yeah. two years, but it was felt really early on. Yeah. Um, when we had the more recent one talking about the, the Mendez and Martin situations, yeah. it was just, I just, I don't, I never felt that she took steps to change some of the things that she was getting consistent feedback on that, you know, that were affecting community members having faith and trust in her and mm -hmm. the leadership in AISD. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, there was a sense of um, the Latino community's voice not being heard or valued. Yeah. And Alicia, you, you served, Lily mentioned in your bio, um, and just to remind our listeners, you were a city manager in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which I, I got to, how, how the hell does a Latina Chicana from La Cuarenta and Corpus Christi end up in Massachusetts? <laughs> so that's, that's one thing we need to come back and talk about. But then I think a lot of, a lot of other folks don't remember that you were our first Latina assistant city manager here in Austin, Texas. And let me tell you, for those of y'all who don't look, know Alicia Perez Hodge, look up her bio. She was chingona back in the day before we were using that word. She was over all the public safety departments. She had fire, EMS, and police departments police. reporting to her. Damn. So she was like the chingona there, right? So Alicia, what do you think? I mean, you've been an executive manager. You know, you've dealt with the politica. You have to strike a balance between the community and your elected officials. 
what was sort of your lived experience and what's your what's your thought on Dr. Elizalde? Well, I think any any public servant or that takes a job in public service in Austin has to understand that we have a very involved community. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a high education uh, standard level. And aquí la gente habla y repela a veces también, you know, right. and um, uh, they're very involved and they care because they care. And because there's a good understanding of, um, of what is needed for our children. Because you have people here with masters and PhDs in education, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is really uh, that sort of population. And they're going to uh, get involved. And you have to prepare for that. And I think one of the things we also, yeah, pues ya se va la, you know, la doctora Elizalde. And we need to make sure that... Um, we are involved, that the Latino community is involved in choosing the next superintendent. It's very, yes. very important. We have a large population of, yes. um, of Latino children and mostly Mexican children. And, yeah. and I'll tell you the truth, um, education is the only thing between me and poverty. Yeah. That was the only thing that helped me from you know, being poor for the rest of my life. It was education. Yeah. So it is so very important to us. And we want to guarantee that each and every child uh, in ASD has opportunity also to advance themselves, to advance their lives, to uh, be able to have a good uh, quality of life and a good earning income to live in Austin because day by day it's getting more and more expensive and more and more unaffordable to live in this city. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and that's an, another issue that, that I want to segue here to in just a minute, the issues around gen, uh, affordability, gentrification, displacement. But one last thought, then we'll close the, the, the topic on ASD and move on to the issue around affordability is, uh, okay, so what advice do we want to offer the AISD Board of Trustees and the district about uh, the selection process for the next superintendent? Uh, if you had to give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Alicia, let's start with you. Include the community. Make sure that you have a representation of, of Asian, uh, Black, uh, Latino, uh, middle class, upper class, and poor uh, members of the community, people that may not serve all the time, but you've got to bring them in because they are very, very important. And those are the parents of many of the children. And so I think it's advisable, not only advisable, it's it's urgent, it's, it's um, uh, necessary that you uh, bring in uh, a diverse group of individuals from all stratas, you know, of the of the community to help you select the next superintendent, so that they have buy-in also. Because this is a this is a hard city to work in. I'll tell you that. Absolutely, absolutely, Alma. I agree with Alicia. I think um, community involvement and clear communication um, as they move forward with the process of getting someone else here will be so important. Someone that has a lot of, um, I think the cultural awareness um, necessary to um, manage a district like this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't know exactly how to, um, you know, how, how to get to this point, but the political part that the superintendent has to play, they have to be ready for, you know, to 
to do the right thing and advocate for the right groups of people and not just be pressured also by names and money in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the topic of, of issues around affordability. Alicia mentioned that when we were talking about AISD in general and uh, people just can't afford to live here anymore. I mean, it's getting bad. Uh, uh, you know, the issues around affordability, displacement, gentrification. Chris and Lily and I always talk about this issue almost on every show, regardless of what the topic is. I mean, what, what is y'all's observation? And 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 what do you think there's that the city and, and really all of our elected officials could be doing a better job of to address this issue? Well, I honestly think we need to look at some... Uh, rent control. I don't know how students, where are students living? I mean, you know, usually when you're a student, you're poor, Uh, you know, unless your your, uh, family's uh, rich. Median, median uh, price and it's record-breaking of a home in in Austin is 640,000. That means 50% of the homes in Austin are more than 640 and 50% are less. But that, I mean, who can afford that? Even when I was working, I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford that. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and I think we just have to uh, look at other cities and see how they have uh, managed to continue to keep affordable for the workers, for the proletariat. This is going yeah. to become a city of elite, white, rich folks. And that's yes. not what anybody wants. That's not what uh, what America is about. It's not what Texas is about. And it shouldn't be what Austin is about either. Yeah. I think I agree with Alicia. I mean, to me, there's no other way to put it. I think it's elitist, it's classist, and it's racist. Where we that we've gotten to this point, and it wasn't an accident, and it wasn't overnight. And we've seen it happening slowly, slowly, and then it's snowballed, and it's out of control. And I don't think there's how we can't undo. We can't yeah. undo some of this stuff. So it's like moving forward. You know, just even thinking, like focusing on solutions, it's really hard, and it's hard not to take it personally. It's affecting disproportionately the Latino community, it's like they're erasing us. Yeah. And it's yeah. offensive. And I know I every time I get on here, I start screaming about it. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is racial trauma again. Yeah. Even like it's our living conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let me bring Lily and Chris uh, on this because we we talk about this issue all the time. Uh Chris, you know, what what are you hearing, man, from Family members, what are you seeing in the community and any thoughts and ideas and what we can do to address affordability in Austin? Well, you know, first of all, um, growing up in the east side, I've, I've grown up, was there all my life. And um, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, my grandmother, uh, God rest her soul, passed a few years ago. Um, and that was the first house uh, that was that we had to put up for sale. Uh, why? Because the taxes were outrageous. Um, the, uh, you know, my, my sister was planning to do some, uh, and my mom were planning to do some things there, uh, along with my uncles. We're, tr- we're trying to, to, you know, get the house ready to maybe do like an Airbnb, that kind of thing. And it never festered because it, it was, you're talking about 10000 to $15,000 just in property taxes, period. Um, my uncle was also forced to sell, uh, was lived right next door to my grandmother. And then, um, 
there was a house on the corner, and then right around that corner was our house. So all three backyards intersected, in other words. Wow. And my mom uh, was, was was forced uh, to sell our family home as mm. well um, due to it being where it was as far as, you know, having all of this, um, this the, 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 the bills that come in from the sales tax right. and right. it being, you know, over $10,000 in, in one year, um, there's no way that you could come up with that kind of money. And yeah, um, to crazy. see the people that are living in this particular house now, they're, they're uh, I guess it would be uh, their mortgage is over $2,500. Now you tell me, uh, where that job is at that I can go and yeah. pay $2,500 a month uh, in, in yeah. for a house like, you know, on the east side, I would go yeah. to that job in a second. But yeah, I'm man. sorry, but I'm me amongst other people in our in our Tejano uh, Latino community don't have jobs like that. And yeah. um, this was this is also all of remember all the holdouts on rainy street that was another yeah. big thing um, oh yeah and, oh man and yeah. and so you know you have all of these families that are being forced out um and forced into uh, other cities like buda cayo san marcos maybe even san antonio don't even live here in austin anymore yeah but yeah. austin is our home and the only way to preserve that is to keep uh, the things that are close to us and a lot of things, a lot of times those were homes um, yeah. that were matriarch and patriarchs of families were living yeah. for so many years. And now they've either been demolished or gone. If you go into that oh, yeah. neighborhood where Kai Limon is, I can oh, guarantee yeah. you about 90% of those Limones that were living there do not live there anymore. Um, oh yeah, you know. Absolutely. So it's 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 a shame, and and it's very hard to see, um, you know. And and as far as the um, the uh, superintendent goes, and I know we're backtracking just a hair. My mom yeah. went to T. A. Brown, uh, so she saw the changes, and she saw the changes within the district. Again, she didn't want to roll with that, uh, and was was uh, was able to retire. Uh, she had done her time. Uh, thank you, mom, for all of your service for AISD. Uh, yes, but, thank you. you know, she uh, was said, you know what, I just can't do this anymore and I'm ready to to move on. And and part of what that was all of the changes that came within the district that did not yeah. benefit the the teachers and the staff and the support staff to help yeah. all of them as well. So that's my two cents. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. good. That's good. Well, Lily's the only one who, who can afford to live in a $625,000 house. <laughs> Lily, what's your opinion? <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, but the other thing, and, and you know, Alma definitely hit on it, is, is racial trauma because we all have the same experiences where these houses, like to Chris's point, it's our matriarchs. It's the patriarchs of our family. Like my grandmother, you know, we've, but dust lost at both properties are no longer it was the South Austin property and East Austin property right off Hillary. Those houses are gone. We we don't have them anymore. Um, and it's just like the people that live there, are they even going to appreciate everything that was East Austin? There's no, no way that they're, they're right, Alma. There's no way. I mean, dance to me, it's a local Austin. I know that you come to Austin and it's you know, in the top places of local burger spots to eat. But I mean, it just has 
so many memories with my grandmother and being at Tillery and knowing that that airport location, knowing the hours, knowing the staff, I mean, all of that, it's so much more than just affording a home. It's all of the memories, all of the love, all of the family, everything that goes into that home is being completely ripped away from us. So it's completely just racial trauma. It it really, really is because (laughs) it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It is. Well, so earlier today, some of us uh, uh, participated in a meeting we were talking about which a lot of people don't know. Uh, did you all know that Austin has a Mexican-American uh, cultural heritage district? Did you all know that? I have never seen Barely it. found out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have seen uh, the sign um, next to some of the graffiti that Chris Tristan put on the on the east side, but there's some signs that went up. Um, I was and, holding, uh, Chris was holding the screw. Yeah, I was holding the ladder. Chris was holding the no. <laughs> Well, so so one of the things that our community has been working on for for years or decades, really, is to do exactly what we were talking about: is is make sure that um, our young people and those who just moved moved here uh, uh, acknowledge and know uh, the historical context of our Mexican American uh, community. And thanks to the leadership of uh, Councilmember Kathy Tobo in District Nine. Uh, District 9 happens to be the area where our um, where the MS Barrientos uh, Mexican American Cultural Center is located, where the old Palm School is located, where Palm Park is located, where Mexicarte Museum is located, uh, where people call the gringos call Republic Square Park, Republic Square Park. But a lot of us call it Chili Park um, because people don't know our history. Chili Park used to be one of two parques in Austin where our Mexican American community was allowed to congregate in public. Uh, and it was right across the street from the chili warehouses. And at one point, and I didn't know this, did y'all know that at one point Austin was known for having the largest tamale machine making machine in the world? Did not know a lot that. of those people. Yes, you look it up. If you look up the history, they worked at the chili warehouses. So while all the all the adults, you know, the mothers and fathers, abuelos, tios and tias were working at the chili warehouses, all the kids were left to. And they would play there at Chili Park. And now that has become Republic Park. So a lot of people don't know that history. And so there has been um, uh, an effort by local Latino community leaders, Chicano leaders, Mexican-American leaders to create a Mexican-American cultural heritage district linking linking, uh, and creating synergy from Chile Park, Republic Square Park, all the way to Plaza Saltillo in East Austin. And so uh, Alicia and Lily and I were in a meeting uh, talking about that, uh, Alicia, you want to tell folks what 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 the plan is and and a, a little bit more about that district. There she we go. Take, Sorry. She was taking a drink uh, from Margarita. Now she's back. <laughs> well, it's already noon, so yeah, on a Friday too. And, and, uh, no, it's uh, it includes a Rainy Street, a uh, Palm School, and then a Fifth Street uh, corridor. And uh, it's important to remind people that not only uh, were Mexicans uh, part, uh, Mexican-Americans part of founding Austin, but of founding Texas, people like Lorenzo de Zavala and people, other people who faced such discrimination that they had to leave Texas and go back to Mexico. Porque no los querían por ser mexicanos. So it has been a slow transition coming back and coming back in coming back, but those the Mexican roots here in Austin go very, very deep. And so um, we're advocating uh, for those roots to be acknowledged, uh, to be respected, to be honored 
because we contributed a lot, a lot de trabajo, de sudor, de este amor, de todo a, a, a este a Austin y a Texas también. So it's very, very important that we, that the city of Austin, we've had tremendous help from uh, uh, Kathy Tobo, le decimos la, la Tobo. And um, it's very, very important. Uh, we have some plans uh, to do celebrations uh, or to note what's happening uh, with the uh, corridor uh, before September and then in September uh, doing, uh, during Hispanic Heritage Month, do several of them so we can highlight what it is that we want. Yes. And, yes. Um, yeah, and make sure that they know that we're strong in in uh, in our conviction that we're going to have what we want. And uh, aquí estamos y no nos vamos, and we're going to keep at it. That's right. That's right. Yes. yes. You know, a lot of people don't know that the very first census taken in Austin, Texas, was in 1875. And the very first two names on that census were Jose and Lizzie Lopez. We had 300 Mexican-Americans, almost 300 Mexican-Americans, living in Austin where the Seahome Power Plant is now in the downtown area. That was the first Mexican-American barrios, and then we got moved over to Fifth and Guadalupe and then Rainy Street. Those why, you know, so that's why to everything that Alicia is speaking to, it's really important for people to acknowledge our history and the role specifically that Mexican-Americans, Chicanos, Latinos played uh, in Austin. Well, we have a, a cheesemate part of the program, and this is the part where Lily is our instigator, and she's always texting uh, me and Chris about, ask him this, ask him that. Like, I, I think when we had uh, Councilwoman Vanessa Fuentes, we asked her which council member that she didn't like on the city council. <laughs> she did a really good job at answering. In fact, when we had the trustee Nolita Lugo, we also asked her that question. So let's get to the cheesemate part of the of the program. So do, does anybody have any good cheese that they want to share? <laughs> I, I do. Okay, Alicia, go ahead. On a state level, mira, este Greg Abbott, I, I, I don't know what's happening, but when uh -huh. you uh, don't acknowledge uh, the worth and don't try to help children, then yes. I think you're lost. You are yes. lost. He blamed yes. Greg Abbott and blamed the immigrant babies for the yeah. uh, baby formula. A shortage. Oh my God. It's all going oh to the immigrant God. babies. That's why there's there's no formula uh, for the other babies. A lie. And very Come racist. On. Yeah. You know, very yeah. racist. Oh yes, yeah. and he's married very to racist. and he's married to a Mexicana, isn't he? A Mexican American. What's her name? <laughs> shame on her. I mean, shame on everyone. Yes. Yes. And then the Republicans in Washington refused. Did not vote for assistance uh, on the baby formula crisis. Uh, they voted yeah. against it. And they call themselves Christians. How can they do that? Well, yeah. and they love babies. They're like, we love babies. Pro-life, pro-life. Yeah, everything pro -life. for the baby. Yeah. Wow. Right? I mean, That's great. But as soon as they're born, forget about it. Wow, 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 wow. No, you know, you're hearing stuff. stories about mothers going to like, 15 plus stores, 20 plus stores just to find, you know, formula for their babies, like breaking down. And it's terrifying. It's like horrifying to see that on the news on top of everything else that's going on with the pandemic because it's not over and going on with Ukraine. It's just, uh, 
Yeah, yeah and just remember, Republicans We're voted hurting. against helping with a baby formula crisis. They voted against it. That's crazy, crazy. Okay, well, I'll, turn, I'll put you on the spot. Who is your favorite county commissioner? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have one. Okay, <laughs> me either. <laughs> I can tell you the one I don't like. I can give you your initials. <laughs> <laughs> I'll text it to y'all. Unless somebody wants to be really brave and give the initials to our listeners, our 10,000 listeners, we can give them. But I'll text y'all. Okay, I'll, uh, who's your favorite council member? <laughs> now, let's talk about Vanessa. Uh, yes. We mentioned the fact that she was she was, uh, she was was uh, on our show a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know if y'all read the Austin Chronicle that came out this week, but she was, she was named uh, the best uh, rookie elected official of a year, and and I think uh, there's no one most better deserving, most deserving than Councilwoman Vanessa Fuentes because she has done uh, a fantastic job in the in the short time that she's been there, one year, uh, and I think she's been fantastic. So, y'all yes. have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I like her initiative on women, yeah. and she's absolutely right. Why should we pay uh, taxes? on uh, you know the necessities when we don't pay it on on other like pay, toilet paper things like that we shouldn't yeah. pay taxes on on women's needs either yeah I like yeah. her advocacy I like her strength her intelligence no le tiene miedo a nadie muy este bien hablada I'm really very uh, proud of her and, and glad she's on the city council Me too. yeah she's there yeah. I really appreciate with Vanessa, she's just present. She is visible. She is in the community. Mm -hmm. She's in the crowd. She is just, it's really important. That's really important. And it's very authentic from her, yeah. you know? It's not about a opportunity for, you know, a picture in a newspaper and an article. Like, it's authentic. There is a true yeah. case. And, you know, so yeah. many times we see these, like, people that are elected, suddenly they disappear. Se fueron. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We never see them again. Oh, so yeah. I appreciate the pr her presence in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then, you know, we, we've been telling our listeners that we have city council elections and it's never too soon to talk about city council elections. So we have the mayor and we have five council members up for re-election. Uh, Tobo is termed out. Uh, council member Pio Renteria is termed out. Uh, council member Ann Kitchen is termed out. And then Mayor Adler's not running for re-election. I think he's termed out as well, too. So we're going to have a new mayor, and then we're going to have at least three new council members. We have council member Paige Ellis, who's running for re-election, and then council member Natasha Harper Madison uh, is running for re-election. So what should be some of the things that our community should hold these candidates who aspire to represent us on the city council? And even though we may not live in a particular single-member district, remember, they get to vote for what happens in our neighborhood. So what are the top maybe two or three things that, that you guys are looking for uh, in, in some of these council candidates come November? Well, we don't want them to disappear when there's an important vote for yeah. one. And uh, exactly. as, uh, uh, the uh, the one that you just mentioned, Natasha, uh, Natasha, Natasha. she just disappeared on us when yeah, uh, there was an important there. vote. Mm -hmm. yeah. On the airport, and on the so, airport. I mean, they need, to, they need to be there. Um, you know, este, como dicen el barrio que aguanta la vara, este, <laughs> be there when you're needed. Yes. You know, when you're yes. needed. No matter what you're going to go through, the arguments you have to make, or, or right. someone doesn't like you, do the right thing. Uh, don't just yeah. run away from it. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So I yeah. Um, I, I want to second what Alicia says. Um, 
just presence, consistency. Um, and I know you're you're running in a specific, you know, specific district, but you're still looking out for the whole city, right? Mm-hmm. And that should be the the intent because you're part of a group, you're part of a community, even though you represent a district. So yeah. I want there to be um, authentic, true care for our whole city, not just your specific district. If you care about your district being pretty and whatnot, yeah. then do the right thing by saying on oh, the airport vote, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, vote to support everybody, not just your district. And if you would be okay with that in your district, but vote no on that, I have a problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is, and we always try to remind our listeners that we should, uh, uh, make sure that we exercise the power of our voices and our votes. So let me turn it over to Lily, who who uh, can tell folks a little bit more about Abla Ibota and where they can get information about that. Sure. So, but first off, I just want to say, please, if you have not participated in early voting, we do have an election. Of, of our primary runoffs are taking place, the Texas primary runoff. So the last day to vote is going to be Tuesday, May 24th. Um, and there you can go to vote 411 and they will go ahead and list all of the polling locations that are Abla y Vota Action Fund, which you can join. You just need to reach out to us at Abla y Vota at gmail.com. We are happy to help you out with voter education, voter information, voter resources, making sure your voter um, information is up to date. So please reach out voter to registration. Abla y Vota. We help you do voter registration. Yeah, we go out and vote. And we do mixers, too. We have mixers and we have forums. Guys, we're a great organization. Please reach out to us. We have different levels. Ibota at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, gente, we are out of time. Thanks for tuning in. We want to thank our guests, Las Chingonas, Alicia Perez-Hodge, all the way from Corpus Christi <laughs> through. Hey, we never talked to Alicia real quick. Tell, how the hell did you go to Ma- Lawrence, Massachusetts? How the hell did you end up over there? Well, I ended up in really a boss. I was in Boston. Oh, Boston. And then I went to Lawrence, but I went to, uh, to Boston because as a, um, uh, a Latina uh, in Texas, una Mexicana in Texas, no había la oportunidad. There just wasn't the opportunities. You wow. know, Mexican men wanted to get the jobs, not right. uh, not make way for you. We were wow. still in that, in that uh, you know, where um, they were first and then, you know, Latinas were second. So I said, you know what? Yo me voy allá con, con los bolillos. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they were both Yankees. Uh, muy bien. And I, uh, uh, my friends over there, because I miss my culture so much, were Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Wow. And so I really enjoyed learning about their culture and about the whole yeah. Latino um, community. Uh, and uh, so I went to go work for uh, Governor Michael Dukakis when he ran wow. for president in 88. Wow. So that's a long time ago. Uh, but awesome. when he ran for president, uh, I worked with him, went to Chicago, Los Angeles, Corpus Christi. We, we, I traveled with him all over. He was a very, very nice man, very much of a gentleman. That's and then, awesome. uh, but if I hadn't left to Massachusetts, I would have never gotten the opportunity to come back to Austin yeah. as an assistant city manager. I had to leave the state in order to create um, wow. my resume to be able then to come back to Texas. Uh, well, we're, we're glad that you made it back to Austin, Texas, and we're sure. Yeah, you belong here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I and, love Austin. And we want to thank, of course, Alma Mena, who had a, had a leave. She had a, another commitment here, so she had to drop off. 
uh, our show. But uh, we want to thank again uh, Alicia Perez Hodge and uh, Alma Mena for joining us this morning. Don't forget to join us here every Sunday at 9 a.m. right here in Hot Tejano while you're enjoying your cafecito, your taquito, your bola menudo, your Bloody Mary, whatever you do uh, on Sunday mornings. And of course, we plan to bring back additional community leaders, candidates, panelists to discuss la política, the chisme, and the importance of our voices and votes right here on Habla y Vota. Thank you to my co-producers, Chris Tejaman Tristan and our hermanita Lily Samaripa Science. To quote my mama, I te watcho. See you next week, guys. Send it back over to Chris. This has been another episode of Habla y Vota.